morning. Welcome to Zion Lutheran Church. My name is Brian Winningham. I'm the pastor. I'm glad you're here. Welcome. And uh, welcome to all those joining on Facebook Live to, I guess, Zion's first ever live stream of a worship service. So give us feedback on whether you could hear me, how things went, kind feedback uh, to help us uh, in the future and see what's, what's possible. Obviously, I would say on Thursday, as we printed bulletins, life was still relatively normal, and a lot changed uh, since then. So, uh, first of all, I'm standing here in a strange spot. That's for the, the camera thing, and so you can see the screen, and, and made some adjustments. And obviously, uh, many others for worship. First of all, grab one of these if you haven't. They're on the back table. We reprinted the bulletins this morning, so they have the hymns in them. Then you don't have to touch a hymnal. And so we've done as much as possible to uh, take safe steps to, to be together in worship and uh, obviously pray God's guidance uh, to anyone else and other churches and people and what's going on. Uh, first, as we begin, before we sing the first hymn, Jesus, Refuge of the Weary, which God lines these things up well. That was uh, him chosen long before anything happened uh, this week, but it's, it's still always true. Where do you go when life feels out of control? Where do you turn when, when anxiety rises? And uh, Jesus, he is our refuge for the weary. And so uh, that's one of the reasons I'm glad to be together with you all, whether you can join us in person or uh, joining us virtually. But we have a strength and a hope and the Prince of Peace, Peace Giver. And so as we worship, God joins us and we pray that God gives us that peace. That, as the scripture says, goes beyond our understanding. Well, as we begin this morning, I want to read one thing. And that is, uh, some of you may have seen this, gone around, made the rounds on the internet a bit. And that is, way back in 1537, when uh, Martin Luther was you know, pastor and professor in Wittenberg, the Black Plague swept back through Wittenberg. So 200 years before it, it had... Uh, killed a lot of people throughout Europe and then came back 200 years later and people were afraid and said, what do we do? What do we, do we, do we run away? Do we leave? What do we, you know, it, and, and truthfully, the Black Plague was far more terrifying than the coronavirus in that it, it, it really did kill you if you got it, more or less. And so not to minimize what we're going through now, but uh, some parallel in that he addressed to another pastor, to a Christian, say, what do we do? How do we, how do we live? So I want, want you to hear this. He wrote in a personal letter, he says, I shall ask God mercifully to protect us. I love this. Then I shall fumigate, <laughs> help purify the air, administer medicine, and take it. I shall avoid places and persons where my presence is not needed in order not to become contaminated and thus in, uh, inflict and pollute others to cause their death as the result of my negligence. If though God should wish to take me, he will surely find me. And I have done what he's expected of me, so I'm not responsible for my death or the death of others. If my neighbor needs me, however, I shall not avoid place or person, but will go as I have stated above. See, this is such a God-fearing faith because it is neither brash nor foolhardy. It also does not tempt God. So it reminds me of Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. And then as God's people, we say, okay, God, we go serve in your name. And we hold those together, trusting God and yet serving God by serving others. And so we come together to trust God. Well, I invite you then to stand and we're going to sing Jesus, Refuge of the Weary. <laughs>
are gathered in the name of the true God, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. One thing I forgot to say uh, as we begin, and that is for those of you joining us on Facebook Live, if you go to zionholland.org, you will find the bulletins to uh, service there. So if you're on a computer, you could pull up another tab and follow along there. So zionholland.org and uh, follow along with the bulletin. And as we begin in God's name and come into God's presence, we confess our sins. And so God's word says, our help is in the name of the Lord. If you, O Lord, kept a record of sins, O Lord, who could stand? Since we are gathered to hear God's word, call upon him in prayer and praise. Let us first consider our unworthiness and confess before God and one another that we have sinned in thought, word, and deed, and that we cannot free ourselves from our sinful condition. Together, as his people, let us take refuge in the infinite mercy of God, our Heavenly Father, seeking his grace for the sake of Christ and saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Almighty God, have mercy upon us, forgive us our sins, and lead us to everlasting life. Amen. Almighty God, merciful Father, in holy baptism you declared us to be your children and gathered us into your one holy church, in which you daily and richly forgive us our sins and grant us new life through your Spirit. Be in our midst, enliven our faith, and graciously Receive our prayer and praise through your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. <laughs> God, whose glory it is always to have mercy, be gracious to all who have gone astray from your ways, and bring them again with penitent hearts and steadfast faith to embrace and hold fast the unchangeable truth of your word through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. You may be seated. Old Testament reading is from Exodus 17, verses 1 to 7. All the congregation of the people of Israel moved on from the wilderness of sin by stages, according to the commandment of the Lord, and camped at Rephidim. But there was no water for the people to drink. Therefore the people quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. And Moses said to them, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? But the people thirsted there for water, and the people grumbled against Moses and said, Why did you bring us out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? So Moses cried to the Lord, What shall I do with these people? They are almost ready to stone me. And the Lord said to Moses, Pass on before the people, taking with you some of the elders of Israel, and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile, and go. Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock at Horeb, and you shall strike the rock, and the water shall come out of it, and the people will drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel, and he called the name of the place Massah and Meribah, because the quarreling of the people of Israel, and because they tested the Lord by saying, Is the Lord among us or not? This is the word of the Lord. The epistle reading is from Romans chapter 5, verses 1 to 8. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts 
through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is the word of the Lord. continue going through Jesus' Sermon on the Mount today, and we get to, along with last week, some of the most challenging commands, things that he asks of his disciples, and so we'll look at today how, how we treat those who mistreat us and even your enemies, which then also tells us, well, if that's how Jesus wants us to treat our enemies, how, how especially times like now, should we treat our neighbors and, and everyone else, too? Will you stand in honor of the words of our Savior. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the fifth chapter. Jesus said, You have heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. If anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. If anyone forces you to go, one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs from you. And do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? You therefore must be perfect, as your heavenly Father is perfect. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. We join the Christian church, past, present, and future, in speaking, confessing the words of what our triune God has done for us as we speak the Nicene Creed together. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us for our salvation, came down from heaven, and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary, and was made man, and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried, and the third day he rose again according to the scriptures, and ascended into heaven, and sits at the right hand of the Father. And he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of may be seated. Before we sing the hymn of the day, uh, now is normally where we make some announcements and then gather the offering. That being said, uh, we're not going to be passing plates. The offering plates are in the back. If you wish to give generously to God's work here, we'll leave them back there. The plan, uh, and just brief update, is obviously to pay attention closely as things can change quickly, and, and uh, we'll be try to be Faithful to God, and, and in being faithful to God, obey what governing authorities ask us to do as well. And so uh, we send an email out on Friday, and it, between there and on our Facebook page, we'll try to keep you uh, updated. Basically, weekly things during the week are going to be canceled for the time being, and we'll gather in worship on you know, Sunday and, and Wednesday as well. If anything were to change to that, then obviously we'll be uh, in contact with you through those ways. 
And obviously with uh, gathering and worship, taking extra steps to um, keep distance and space. But uh, as long as God allows us and we're allowed, we'll gather and worship the Lord, be renewed by him together, and then go about our, our earthly ways and lives to, to serve others. So we'll now continue worshiping God by singing the hymn of the day, Jesus in your dying woes. with me. God, may the words of my mouth and meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer, Holy Spirit. Work through your word as you always have and work through mine that you might continually point us to the good news and the grace and the peace we have in Jesus that you might form us to be more and more like him each day. In his name, amen. As we have been walking through Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, most famous words, most famous sermon, most famous quoted parts of the Bible. We get to, again, one of the uh, more difficult, I, w- I think it's the most difficult section, not to understand what he's saying, but to, to live out as Christians. And in the last couple of weeks, we've been looking at this, and that is, what does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus, a follower? It means this, disciples obey but we obey from God's favor, not for God's favor. So hopefully, if you've been in the last couple weeks, that, that looks familiar. Disciples obey. We want to do what our Lord, our Savior, our Master, the one who gave his life for us, we, we want to follow him and be like him and do what he wants us to do. But it's not because we're trying to get anything from God. It's because we already have all of the mercy and all of the grace that he won in his death and his resurrection. He gives to us in faith and gives to us in baptisms. We only live that out. So any obedience to God is the fruit of being saved. So we have God's favor. It's from God's favor, not not to to earn his love or or to get brownie points. You don't need that. You already have everything. So yes, we are saved by grace, but then we also grow by grace too. We don't get to then take credit for doing good things. Now, no, Jesus always gets the credit. So disciples obey from God's favor, not for God's favor. We are saved by grace, and we grow by grace. But when we grow by grace, it's like, as I said a few weeks ago, we we put a different pair of glasses on to look through the world, and that's the, the Jesus glasses. And so all these things Jesus is saying to his disciples, they, they seem extreme, they seem otherworldly, and they are both extreme and otherworldly. It's because we're putting the Jesus glasses on. And saying, okay, Jesus, what do you want from us as your people? How do you want us to live so that we are different, so that other people look at us and and don't see Ryan, but see Jesus in Ryan and want to know Jesus? And if you ask me, I think that means it's the perfect time then to be the church, is when people are, are in need. As people around us, and maybe us, are are filled with different kinds of fears and anxieties about the coronavirus and what might happen and uh, and people suffering in other places and what do we do. We want to be the ones that can share the peace of Jesus with them. 
We want to be the ones to say, how can I help it in a way that, that is still safe and good, but serve and help you? How, how can we help others? How, how can we obey our Savior and Master by serving and helping others? And so Christians should be the ones to say, well, who's around me? What can I do? What can That's what we do. In fact, do you know that sociologists have looked at and tried, apart from the work of the Spirit, say, what are other factors that made the Christian church grow from basically nobody, Jesus and his disciples, to throughout the whole Roman Empire in a span of 300 years? How did that happen? Well, yes, the work of the Holy Spirit, but how did God work that out? And many Christian and non-Christian sociologists say a large part was when plagues swept through the Roman Empire and many people fled to save their own skin and fled the city. If anybody stayed, it was Christians. And Christians stayed and they set up hospitals and hospices un, unknown at that time in that, in that way. It was the Christians that had compassion, not just for their own, but for everyone else. Be, why? Because we know the compassion and the love and grace that Jesus has shown us. And so that was one of the reasons. And they said the other reason was then that Christians had the best answer in times of difficulty. The best answer people had at the time was, you made a deity mad, so these bad things are happening to you. And the Christians said, no, 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 no. We don't know why. We'll never know why these things happen. But we do know that my heart is broken. And not just my heart. The whole world is broken and nothing works like it should. So stuff will happen. But God, God is with us. And, and Jesus has, has entered into all of our pain all of our lives. And he has answered death and ended death in his resurrection. So he has redeemed us. And he will come again to renew it. And, and that made the most sense out of the world to people. So we as his disciples, we follow and, and we obey. Now, let's then turn to what Jesus has for us today in the Sermon on the Mount, which is admittedly quite a challenge. So we're going to pick up where we left off. And Jesus is making some strong, you might say, moral commands to people. He's saying, you have heard it said, parts of the Old Testament, this is what you know, but, but here I'm telling you, something else, something more, something different, or telling you God's original will, original intent for what was said. And if you remember back to last week, we're trying to do something with Jesus' commands, and that is, in this part of the Sermon on the Mount, if you hyper-focus on some of the words and phrases, you can kind of get sent off into a tree or into a ditch. So we're trying to drive down the middle here, the middle, that's the, anybody know where that is, by the way? It's in Michigan. Tunnel of Trees up north. Go there in the summer when it's nice. Beautiful. And a good example of drive down the middle. Don't veer off and, and hit a tree or in other places off a cliff or in a ditch. With some of these commands Jesus gives, he says a lot of specifics. And he, if you kind of zero in on those too much, you might veer off. What's the main point of what he's saying here? So we're going to look for God's main idea, God's general truth, the main point. That's what we're looking for. And then I'll show you today where we really have to avoid what I would call on the one side hyper-literalism. If you over-focus on a phrase, you might come to a weird conclusion of what Jesus wants or doesn't want. But then you can't swing the other way and say, oh, because he doesn't strictly mean exactly what you think he means, then you don't have to love your neighbor. You can continually being, you can be selfish and mean, just like you really want to be. No, 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 no. So what's the main teaching God wants for us here? So let's go to... 538, yeah, there we go. Jesus said to his disciples, he said, you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. If anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two. Give to the one who begs. Do not refuse the one who would borrow for you. And then I have another verse that's kind of added on. It says, if anyone would steal one roll of toilet paper from you, gi give him your hand sanitizer as well. <laughs> you get the point, right? <laughs> Jesus gives us God's will, God's intent, and then gives a l some examples and, you know, add your own, right? He gives us God's will, his intent for his disciples. You have heard it said, 
But I say to you, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, my, God, he's speaking as God, authoritative, what, I, what God really meant by this. So you've heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. What does that mean? Well, what happens when we get hurt by someone? What is our natural response to want to do to them? Of course, get even, right? Revenge is human and natural. We want to retaliate. If they, if they punch you, you punch them back, but not the same amount. What do we want to do to somebody who hurt us? We want to get them just a little more. Yes. But I had an older brother, so uh, a little more never went in my favor, so... But we just want to get them a little more to feel like, ah, then I got them. Well, in ancient tribal societies, that guess what happens? It just escalates, right? Somebody takes a goat, you take two goats. Somebody uh, kills one person, y- you don't just take kill one. You go wipe out their whole village and, and burn it down. That, that's right. And, and if you had more power, then there was no justice. You, the most powerful could do whatever they wanted. And so this is God and other societies... Uh, d- and practice this as well. If you say an eye for an eye, that's actually justice. You, it uh, mitigates going wild with your revenge, right? You are wronged in one way, you get this back and no more. So it's actually a good thing. However, revenge never, the, the thirst for revenge never goes away in our hearts, does it? So Jesus is saying, well, y- you were given justice, but your heart still wants to take revenge. It, it's hard. We, we want it. You're, you're hurt. You're angry. It, it makes sense. And what does Jesus say? Don't live that out. Be merciful. Show greater love to, the someone, who, to someone who has hurt you. And there's part of us that says, no way. I don't want to. Trust me, I'm, I'm just as human as you. No, I don't want to do that. But yet, that's what Jesus is saying. So I think if we were to drive down the middle lane, before we talk about some of the specifics, what is his main point? What is he saying? Be merciful. Be merciful. Show love to, to people, especially people you don't want to and who have hurt you or harmed you. And so to avoid, though, remember I said the, the hyper-literalism we looked at some last week. If you actually look specifically at Jesus' words, let me go back just for a second. He says, do not resist the one who is evil, and call them evil, but if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other. Well, then what does Jesus not say? Well, if they, it, he didn't say anything about uh, somebody punching you in the nose. So if they punch you in the nose, you know, fair game, right? That, that would be a hyper-focus on what Jesus, only what he's saying. No, what's the intent of what he's saying is, uh, no, really, don't retaliate no matter what it is. So, uh, but at the other hand, we don't want to say, well, Jesus then doesn't really mean what he says because he really does. Be merciful. Don't take revenge on people. So when we're disciples of Jesus and we put the Jesus glasses on, we look at the world differently. And so we don't believe like everyone else. And we don't live like everyone else either because we, we have a master and Lord who's Jesus. And so you'll find in other parts, look up Romans 12, starting at verse 19. Paul says, don't take revenge. Leave it up to God. And he says, on the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. Do not over, be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. First Peter says the same thing. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing because this is what you were called to. Wow. Now you could call this Jesus class or tutorial on practical peacemaking. Jesus said, remember, Beatitudes, blessed are the peacemakers. Now he's telling his disciples how to be peacemakers. And it means to show mercy. It means to forgive, especially when you don't want to. Show greater sacrifice and greater love especially to someone who mistreats you. Yes, this is hard. Now, to be fair, I don't think Jesus is saying, go be a doormat. Go get walked on and say, just take anything anyone ever does to you and never say anything. No, he's not saying that. What Jesus is asking of his disciples actually takes more strength than to retaliate. It actually takes more strength to look at somebody who has hurt you 
and to show love and kindness back, doesn't it? It does. It, I know that in my own. It's easier to retaliate than to actually show love instead of that. So Jesus isn't saying, be a doormat, take any violence, take any abuse, don't. No, he's saying, give more. It seems impossible, but you might win that person over. God might use that to change their heart to truly know Jesus. So a Christian, Jesus is saying, doesn't just let things be taken from them. You actually willingly sacrifice for another person so that you might win them to Jesus. And guess what? The only way we'll ever be able to do that is if we first know exactly who we are. When you are treated less than human, you have to know that you are absolutely human, God's beloved child, right? That's the only way you'll ever be able to do that is if you know exactly who you are, that God has called you his child, that Jesus has given you his identity, his perfect identity that you are baptized and washed and forgiven and renewed and you are a new creation, completely secure in Jesus. So that when someone disrespects you, the only way you can respond kindly is by being completely secure and knowing that you are already beloved by Jesus and that you stand on the eternal rocket. That's the only place. Otherwise, there's no chance, right? We know this. And this is how we, Jesus says, treat people that mistreat you. So if this then it makes me wonder about our current situation. Now, if this is what Jesus is saying, how to treat people that mistreat you, how much more should we want to treat and care for those around us that you know we know and love and our neighbors are, right? Care for them. Care for neighbors, care for, for friends and family. And so uh, as a church, you know, I, I want to ask you to pray and we're going to continue to brainstorm and pray what it means to serve other people during this time, no matter uh, how long it is or what, what may come, we, there's a lot of unknowns. But what is known is this is a, a time for the church of Jesus to shine. We should be known for loving our neighbor. And according to Jesus, especially if we don't like him. Doesn't mean, you know, grocery shopping for somebody so they don't have to go out. Doesn't mean picking up someone's medication and leaving it on their door or Providing child care to someone if you can doesn't mean pray for people who are suffering or, or write letters to people who feel really lonely at home. Be merciful. Love your neighbor. And yes, especially if you don't want to. Okay, let's move to the next section. Jesus said, he ramps it up even, if you can imagine him ramping it up from there. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good and send, sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even tax collectors do the same? If you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same. You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. So the Old Testament never exactly says, hate your enemy. It certainly says, love your neighbor. Leviticus, love your neighbor as yourself became part of the Shema. Love the Lord to God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. But it never says, hate your enemy. But what happens is, over time... Jewish leaders with hearts uh, self-centered and selfish like mine and yours eventually say things like, well, okay, love your neighbor, but is everybody your neighbor? Well, may maybe not everybody's your neighbor. Well, then if not everybody's my neighbor, then who is my neighbor? And then you start making lists of who's my neighbor, and then, you know, if Jim Bench isn't my neighbor, then I don't have to be nice to him, right? <laughs> um, and, and you can see how this goes very quickly. And so by Jesus' day, there's a who's my neighbor, who's not my neighbor, which sounds like Another parable Jesus tells, right? Who's my neighbor? Who's not? So Jesus kind of comes out uh, and says, you've heard it. Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. No, but I tell you, love your enemies. So what's the, what would be the main point in this section? I think it's love your enemies. Now, remember to not take him wrongly in the hyper-literal way if Jesus strictly says, love your enemies, what does that mean? You could say, well, do we only love our enemies? What about your friends? What about, 
We would never say that, right? Understand how he's saying. Jesus is saying, love your enemies. Love everybody, especially your enemies. And I think this is the absolute hardest command Jesus has given. I think it's the absolute hardest because when you've uh, truly been hurt by someone, if you've been abused by someone, if they've stolen from you, if they've, if they've taken something from you that can never really be repaid in this life, that's hard. And Jesus says, love them, pray, pray for them. Man, that, that is tough. But I've also seen that when people do that, it is some of the most powerful, heart-changing, redeeming things where people loving when they've been mistreated and loving their enemies and praying for them where they've come to know Jesus. Now, to be fair, Jesus isn't saying you have to be friends with your enemies. He doesn't say you have to spend time together or, or let someone who has abused you back to abuse you again. No, no, he's not saying any of that. But he does mean exactly what he says. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So uh, my question for me is the one for you. Is who is that today? Who's the last person in the world that you want to pray for? And when are you going to pray for them? What day, today, what time? When are you going to pray for them? We'll pray in the prayers for, for our enemies. When, who's the last person on earth that you really want to pray for? And when will we? Many of you know the story of Jackie Robinson and I'm guessing many of you know part of the story, maybe not all of it. So he's very well known, obviously, as the first African-American baseball player to cross over from the old Negro League to play in Major League Baseball. But what's lesser known is why he was singled out to be that person. Not just because he was an outstanding baseball player. And I want to talk about baseball since the season's being, you know, started late now. I've been thinking about it. But why? What's lesser known is that it was precisely his faith in Jesus that could make a guy like Jackie Robinson be the one to do this. You see, the Brooklyn Dodgers general manager, Branch Rickey, was a devout Christian and against segregation. But he knew only a special man could withstand everything they would face, withstand the, the racism, the attacks, the abuse to break the so-called color barrier. And so Branch Rickey kind of singled out Robinson and met with him, and, and guess what they talked about when they met? They talked about the Sermon on the Mount. They talked about these words of Jesus. And Branch Rigge called it uh, non-retaliation. Remember, this is the 1940s, not the 1960s. Jackie Robinson plays in Major League Baseball eight years before Rosa Parks refuses to give up her seat. This is just after World War II. And so uh, Ricky grills Robinson in this meeting for hours about what he would do, and he made him commit to, a three, to three full years of non-retaliation. And after that, you know, and what he says in that is, I'm looking for a ball player with guts enough not to fight back. And guess what? The thing that Jackie Robinson and Branch Ricky shared was that the only way this would ever be possible is if they trusted in Jesus. The only way it would ever be possible was if they trusted and followed Jesus all the way to the cross and looking straight at the cross at what Jesus had done, because that's where you'll, where you'll get strength to be able to love others as Jesus has loved us and love your enemies and pray for those that you really don't want to. That's it. There's, just, there's only one place that will ever get strength to do this because it is not human. It's not normal. And so on the one hand, we'll always wrestle with it throughout our lives. On the other hand, Jesus, as we trust in him, will continue to form us. And I, I think of Jesus' words, right? Where do we get the strength? Is Jesus himself bleeding, hanging, and dying on the cross says, Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. Jesus is forgiving his enemy. He's forgiving those that are putting him to death. He's forgiving those that have gambled for his stuff. Forgiving those that, that have unjustly prosecuted and now murdering him. And he's saying, Father, forgive them. That, that's, that's our Savior. That's our God. That's, that's how our God looks at you and me with that kind of love that he would forgive all because he wants to welcome you home into his presence and into his kingdom. That's why we heard Romans 5 says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's 
the love of your God. That's the love of your Savior. And that's your Jesus that, that is with you now and with you this week and next week. This is your Jesus that, whether you're still going to work or stuck at home for a while, that this is your Savior that is, that is with you. And this is your, your Savior that will give you energy. For, for some of you I know that are uh, going on too little sleep and too much coffee because your job now demands a lot from you, Jesus is your merciful Savior and Master. And so, yes, we follow and obey Him, but only because He has looked at us and said, Father, forgive them, all of them. We obey Jesus. Why? From God's favor, not ever for God's favor. And so may the peace of Jesus, our Savior and Master, continue to guard and keep your hearts and minds in Him. Amen. Will you stand and we continue in prayer? And as we pray, I'm going to open us up in prayer, and then I'm going to leave some silence in between petitions for various things going on, and people. If, if uh, Well, one thing I think the world needs from us, it's for Christians to pray, and pray for others, and intercede for others. And so, as I'll open us up, I'll uh, eventually leave a number of silences. You may add something out loud if you want, or pray silently for, uh, for the petition that I've, I've mentioned. We pray. Gracious God, you are the Lord of the universe. You control all. You rule all. And we ask you, we come before you asking for you to act in power. And so we thank you that your grace and mercies are new. Every morning as the sun rises and sets, they are signs of your faithfulness. And we ask that you would continue to give us your peace calm any anxieties we have. We thank you for the forgiveness you give us and that you would lead us to forgive others. And we ask you that you would give us hearts that would love our enemies and even pray for them and serve them. So Lord, whoever that is for us, for each of us today, whom, who will we pray for and when? Lord, lead us to that today. And we pray for our enemies that, that you would change our hearts, but also Turn more hearts to know you and know the grace and peace we have in you. Heavenly Father, we ask you to come uniquely at this time, as that many are joining us from home, and, and many need to stay home in this time of pandemic. We ask that you would unite us by your Holy Spirit. Show us your presence, show us your peace, and we pray for many people and things and ask that you would act. And so first of all, God, we pray that you would cause the coronavirus to subside with all the power in the world. You ask your people to pray the desires of their hearts, as the Psalms say, and so we do. So here are prayers for that. We pray for people called to unique tasks now that are, seem to be asked more of at this time. We pray that you would give them what they need to serve others well, and by doing so, serve you. And so first we pray for government and civic leaders, that they would make wise and good decisions for those under their care. Pray for medical professionals, doctors, nurses, first responders, and any others. Pray that you would give them strength and energy to fulfill their callings, but also keep them healthy. Pray for school superintendents, principals, teachers, all those involved with and affected by the schools shutting down, pray that you would 
continue to uh, give them resources and means to respond well and, and to make good decisions and pray for students as they will be learning from home and pray that you would allow them to learn diligently in a new way. Pray for families, that those uh, families, as they likely spend more time together in the coming weeks than in the previous weeks, we pray for a renewed bond among family members and people under the same roof. Pray for those that will be affected financially throughout all this, that you would continually provide, show yourself to be the provider, and also for your church. This church, Zion, show us what it means to be the church and to help and serve others in this season, but also your church throughout Holland, throughout our state, our nation, and your church throughout the world. Show us what it means to be the body of Christ now. all this trusting in you for you lived and died and rose for us and you are now still reigning on the throne of eternity so we pray all this as you have invited us to pray our father Prepare to leave here. We sing Simeon's song. It's printed for you. Bless the Lord. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen. And one more word before we sing, Lord, take my hand and lead me appropriate song as we close today. One more thing, uh, and that is uh, meant to announce earlier. If you are in need or know anybody else in need of items or things and can't get out or any other needs, um, Call, do call the church office and, and we'll try to connect quickly and respond to, to needs as quickly as possible. So we really want to be the church and help each other and help others. So we can uh, close now by singing, Lord, take my hand and lead me.